This is Tribal Theocrat Live with Christian Gray, episode 21. We're on the line with Patty Dorton, Matt Parrott, Matthew Heimbach, and Scott Terry talking about the recent May Day events at uh, Washington, D.C. Perhaps somebody can just take the reins and talk about what you guys were doing there and what happened. Well, I, I, need, I need Mr. Terry to start off with this one because he... Uh, <laughs> He, he is the uh, the words of a great Southern agrarian poet. So I'm actually rereading his uh, description of the events right now. Uh, it's called "On Flag Signs, Heroes, and Fistfights." So I want to hear from uh, from Mr. Terry, if that's all right. Is he even it, on the line? He's not on the line yet. What a slacker! Oh, Scott Terry. <laughs> you probably need to refresh his maker's mark or something. <laughs> well, Matt, who? Whose idea, I guess I should call you Heimbach for this episode. We got the two Matts here. It could be confusing for our new listeners. Um, the one who sounds like a hillbilly is Matt Parrott. Um, <laughs> um, whose idea was it to have this May Day counter protest? And how much organization, uh, how much organizing went into it before you guys hit the street? Well, um, I mean, the idea basically come at, came from, pardon me, my Poolsville came out there for a second. Um, it actually came from last year where, you know, I, of course, I've known about May Day um, for a while. Everyone knows that it's commie Christmas. So um, <laughs> I actually went down by myself last year um, to May Day. I, I went to protest with a sign that said better dead than red. And I was carrying a uh, a German World War One uh, Kaiser flag. And um, I kind of marched into them. And it was really rather confusing because they had a similar amount of people as last year, probably about 400. And the thing that really amazed me was I was able to walk out alive. And by no means am I like some some tough-looking militant skinhead type. I'm, I think you are, Matt. I think oh, you could pull <laughs> Oh, shut up, Patty. No, but, um, I, I mean, you know, I'm described um, by the left-wing media as being the, the America's friendliest racist. So I'm not exactly out there uh, – kicking people's teeth in, but I was able to go essentially unmolested. One lefty hit me last year, but it wasn't very hard, and he ran away. That's, that seems to be a trend. So it kind of the idea goes back last year, and then really the organization came uh, between Patty and myself trying to uh, get everyone. I mean, the biggest problem is, even with an organization as large as the White Student Union, that unfortunately, unlike the left, we have jobs and we have responsibilities. You know, as we were talking to uh, some of the park police and uh, Secret Service, they they were talking about how, yeah, it's the same people every time, whether the <laughs> protest is about fracking or Obamacare or immigration or May Day, it's the same people. Hey, is Matt Heim, hey, Heimbach, I think you need to add Scott Terry because you started the conference call. Oh, Lord. I'm here, actually. Here he is. Can okay. you guys hear me? Hi, Scott. Welcome. Hey. Scott. Um, we're just, I'm just rambling a little bit, but, um, yeah. So, so, I mean, the police, they, they know that these are literally like professional protesters, whether they're homeless or they're, um, extremely well-off rich kids who want to play rebel or just the deluded that they're, they're, they're literally professional protesters. And the problem is with the right wing, we have these things called families that the left doesn't really know about. And we have these things called like jobs and responsibilities, and, you know, um, we're actually members of the working class. I mean, you know, you look at exactly. my, my, my bank account, I'm, uh, you know, kind of a, a member of the, uh, the working poor, as are pretty much everyone mm-hmm. in my organization. So we actually had to, I mean, just everyone getting off work and coordinating rides and things like that. Now, without Patty, I wouldn't have been able to do anything. But we were able uh. to, to mobilize, you know, two carloads worth of our members to be able to go down, which was, uh, I mean, I think pretty excellent. 
So the, the biggest problem was just in our own personal lives, taking care of all of our responsibilities, of which, unfortunately, there are many, you know, versus the left that really has nothing to uh, <laughs> to do with their day. You know, it's Wednesday, so let's go and, like, punch police officers and storm the gap. Like, that seems like a good idea to them versus us who have things to do. So it's kind of my long-winded answer about that. Well, it, it, you guys were uh, definitely outnumbered. How many How many of, of you were there? About eight? Yeah, there were eight of us. Yeah, eight, eight of us, and um, by their count, and I would agree with it, um, probably about 400 of them. So uh, 50 to 1 odds is pretty good for uh, any right-winger, I would say. And the worst of the worst were right at the front. I mean, these were the guys throwing urine, and they were shouting uh, just, you know, hateful, vile things at our police officers. And, you know, it just it – was, it was madness. It was a mess. So, I mean, they definitely had the cream of the crop right in the front lines, you know, the, the worst of the upstarts. So what, what exactly uh, was, was the um – theme of of their protest I, what were I, I guess just generically workers and marxists oh no mr parrot there there were so many themes and that was the best part they were marching for gay rights mm-hmm. women's rights because murdering your unborn child is a right in this country um amnesty because the best way to support the american working class is to legalize 15 million other workers that will depress your wages and put you out of a job. And don't forget, Matt, terrorizing uh, the workers at the Gap store before they met up with us because these guys, there's uh, there's horrendous footage of them attacking, it was like two or three police officers in front of the Gap store, and they looted the store and terrorized the cashiers that were there. So, I mean, you know, that, that's, of course, you know, a great way to celebrate, you know, solidarity with the worker. Oh, well, that's, I, I, let me interrupt just a second. Sure. Because that's such a prevailing theme with these things. Like we saw that at the American Renaissance. Going into these things, people are like, oh, these are evil right-wing people. And over here we have these hippie protesters. And their first inclination is to be on their side. Mm. But as these things play out, uh, whether it's uh, splattering with urine bombs, attacking waitresses, uh holding signs uh, celebrating uh, mass murder uh, of um, German citizens or whatever, or just being just being rude, nasty, and malodorous. Uh, by the end of these things, there's, there's usually sort of a guarded uh, respect for us. You know, I'm, I'm sure they don't, they don't agree with our, our politics yet, and I'm not saying that we win them over to our full worldview, but at the end of the day, uh, they, they can't help but on, a, on an intuitive level uh, uh, like us more uh, after these things are done than they started. Can I can I comment on that? Can I chime in on that, guys? Yes, you may. Th- this is Scott Terry. I'm not sure if you guys can hear me. I was having some audio issues earlier, um, as great. usual. Thank you. Um, I'd like to piggyback on what Mr. Parrot just said, as well as maybe try to answer the original question a little bit. Uh, the majority of people in the crowd, uh, it is as uh, Mr. Heimbach the uh the future of organized hate said <laughs> uh the the variety of opinions in that crowd was uh i mean it was astounding uh, there was no sense of one unifying factor although i was able to talk to some of the organizers who approached me specifically afterwards and claimed that they were organizing under the banner of an ideology known as anarcho syndicalism syndicalism I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And yeah. uh, now what I've done is uh, in my research and the history of political philosophy and stuff like that, you run into all of these 
uh, prefixes uh, where people attach the word anarcho to something. And basically the syndicalists have a lot of interesting commentary on how to uh, deal with working class and capitalist, uh, the capitalist elite. And so I was actually finding uh, – I personally hold to more of a, a sort of a neo-feudalist, maybe what people are talking about, distributism with G.K. Chesterton. Um, we, I mean we could talk about these sorts of third positionist uh, economics on the right. But the, the fact of the matter is I was having uh, an astounding amount of agreements with some of these guys and it was just taking them – uh, aback. They they did not know how to deal with that. They didn't expect it. I mean, I was out there dressed like this country bumpkin, and I'm like, hey, y'all, let's talk about some anarcho-syndicalism, you know? And, uh, they were surprised that white nationalists, uh, as I refer to myself, have these sorts of uh, sophisticated economic critiques of contemporary society. They were not expecting that. Well, well Scott, you, you outclass them every time, and that's why I love bringing you to protests. Because the left will always just go, I mean, and we saw this actually um, with myself earlier on, you kind of piggybacked, where they were screaming like, fascist, fascist. And I said like, all right, guys, what, what, what is fascism? Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. And, no answer to that either. No, they're, they're like, I, I, I don't know. Because like in the conversation, yeah, exactly. Like you, you are a Nazi and you are a fascist. And I'm kind of like, well, you need these to people one. think these people think that Glenn Beck is a fat. They think that we're on that side. So, I mean, they're not even well read, you know, and I just want to compound on what Scott Terry said. I know, you know, not a whole lot about anarcho-syndicalism, but what I do know is one of their ideological idols is the Russian anarcho-syndicalist Peter Kropotkin. And he said in his earlier political career, I mean, he was a nut job, first of all, of course, as they all are. But one of the things that he said was one of, the, and this, I read this from a book that I own called A History of Political Assassination. And what he said in, in what, what he's to, quoted to have said was that one of the demographics that they try to reach out to was, quote, the psychopath. I mean, he literally said this. This was direct from this man, sort of from Peter Kropotkin. And, and this is one of their, you know, this is like their, uh, you know, Lenin or whatever they're I mean, you know because they, they always try to say well we're not socialists we're not Marxists we're anarcho syndicalists but it's really in the same ballpark isn't it yeah absolutely. I mean they're they're reds <laughs> yeah but, but I mean the, the problem Patty and I find I find this all over we literally I mean the conversation that you and Scott just described went over would go over all of their heads that even like except for maybe their handlers and you you can see them they're kind of like the skulking slithering folks in in the back not in the front line where they can get hurt but in the back like riling up the crowd and they might be able yeah. to argue but the rest of these individuals they they don't understand they haven't read these books they they really just go like you know the workers united can never be defeated what what <laughs> And, and like they, they they went to like slogan school and they they learned how to like you know chant a couple of things they they don't understand what this means they couldn't argue and that's why I mean I'm glad that um someone I wasn't even sure he was filming put up a video of me discussing with um, one of the Code Pink gals ga- I think gals but yeah, um, yeah maybe maybe that was a guy pretend yeah Wendy I, you know it's really funny there's actually a leftist at my school. Who looks very similar to that? Whose name is Wendy? And it, that made me laugh, Mister Parrot. But um, well, no, like I was talking, I was like, like, look, like my point of view is like we should arrest the banksters and we should end corporatism and we should support the working class and immigration is bad for us and like I just kept going through all these points and she just gets really quiet and there there comes a point and I mean this is where the left has been taught 
to fight Republicans. Yeah, I mean, that was all their talking points. Like they were screaming at you, Scott. Um, like, like, don't you care about the worker? Don't you support the minimum wage? Like, you're are you okay with people only making the minimum wage and yeah. all these sorts of stuff? And and when you're like, well, I'm not like I'm not a conservative. Like, th- their talking points for the past fifty years have been based on arguing with Barry Goldwater. And when they come up against us, I mean, like you said, Scott, over and over, and I I love it that intellectually they cannot compete with us. And apparently physically they can't compete with us because 50 to 1, you know, I mean, they – and there's the biggest thing about uh, two days ago. They could have stormed the cops. If the, if these were the gung-ho Bolsheviks that took over Russia in 1917, if they truly believed it this they much – They had calluses on their hands. <laughs> oh, exactly. Like if they had actually like been members of the proletariat um, and, and they wanted to like actually fight, they could overwhelm the cops. There were maybe like a dozen cops there. They they could have overwhelmed them and they could but have come see, for us, but that's but they did. So frightening. That's what was so frightening about it is the fact that. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, Matt. I oh no, go ahead. That's what frightened and I thought was so spine rattling was the fact that we. This is Washington D.C. Okay, this is the lion's den. There were snipers on the roof of the White House for God's sake. I mean, I think it was rumored that Obama actually was there at the time. I don't know how true that was, but I mean, it's the it's you're in you know, the mouth of the beast. And you would think that they'd bring out the serious boys with the gas cans just in case like something should arise because it certainly seemed like it was on the verge of doing that. And they didn't. I mean, I know I've seen worse protests or just as bad protests on TV before, you know, little, just little cuts of it here and there. And it, and it seemed like they had just lines of police out years ago. And now, it, I mean, these guys were threatening the police. They were on the verge. The police were on the verge of being overwhelmed. We were, we had one of our members attacked. And yet the police were so vulnerable. And I, I don't mean to discredit the police by saying that. I mean, our, our police officers are very brave. I mean, and especially getting in front and protecting us. But, you know, if you even view the footage of them at the gap, it was it, it was alarming that the fact that they were able to even I mean, think all together. What did they take down like two to three officers that day? And then well, 18. Uh, well, 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 you I mean, you look at the videos in the gap. They literally body slam a cop. Yeah. Like, like they like pick him up and like throw him on the ground and the, <laughs> and the cops just, they form a line in front of the store and like politely ask the protesters to like leave. And they're like, Hey guys, like you got to go and see the white student union. Like, like, <laughs> come on. Like, like it's, it's almost like scolding a child. And that's where the left, I think is the most deceived where they think, I mean, Matt, you did uh, one of those Wendy memes. It was really funny where, um, you know, they, they think they're rebels, but they really are enforcing the orthodoxy of the elite and the system. So they use kitty gloves on them to, to a large extent. But the average officer, because they have to deal with all of this, is sympathetic to us. I mean, that's why you just look at Golden Dawn in Greece or really any right-wing movement. The cops and the military, not on the, in, you know, the brass and the political appointments, but the individual boots on the ground become extremely militant in favor of us because they have to deal with these people all the time. How many times does a communist have to punch you or your buddies in the face or they threaten to kill you and yell and curse you and spit on you before you say, well, maybe these other guys are right, you know? Now, Christian Gray listens to gangster rap and hates the police. <laughs> and, uh, I, I don't want to give him a chance to respond to that. I, I wanted to just mention to Scott Terry that I, I've had the same awkward thing happen over and over again uh, where you're debating with a leftist and you find these agreements, and, <laughs> and I'm familiar with Chomsky. And and there was one debate I was having on the street where, you know, I, I started explaining, uh, quoting Chomsky on how finance capitalism is integrally opposed to uh, religion, organized religion, 
heritage, identity, and um, faith in these things because those are all obstacles to finance capitalism. And, and <laughs> I, I, that, that was, they they didn't have a response to that to one of their one of their leading luminaries, uh, in, in my opinion, driving home one of our cardinal points. And of course, that that operates outside the Republican frame for them. Yes, I've often found. Uh, is it Chomsky or Comsky? I don't know how to pronounce it. I just read Chomsky. it. But, I read everything on the internet too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, but I use them a lot I'm for his. I'm to college. So. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you consider his, this college, by the way. <laughs> uh, well, you're definitely getting an education at Towson that a lot of people the world over uh, are not receiving. You're learning about the vital field of interracial politics in America. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure that's very exciting. I think it's amazing that. Your opponents body slam cops, and yet you guys are the haters. How does that work? <laughs> well, well, hold on. I mean, it, it all is explained in their chants. I mean, what is it? Hey, hey, ho, ho, ho. ho. Yeah. Fascist scum have got to go. <laughs> that was, that so, was it's my so favorite gay. One. It's so homoerotic. It really well, is. And, and speaking of gay and homoerotic, did you guys notice what these people were wearing? I mean, I'm, I'm sure when I logged in, I, I was hearing you guys joke on these guys, but they were a bunch of trendy hipster mm-hmm. effeminate i mean the one guy had on a, a full-brimmed hat and a, and, a, and a red shirt and like they would they had these gigantic cuffs on their pants with like the, the boots you know that they've you know they've never walked through mud in their life why are they oh, wearing yeah. boots you know it was ridiculous so these guys were coming up trying to intimidate us i mean i was laughing at them it's it really was hard to uh Take now, when, that George, seriously. when that George Michael impersonator was right up in your face, you weren't intimidated? <laughs> no, 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 but that's a good way to describe him. <laughs> yeah, but they, that's their that's their tactic is to try to intimidate and to shout down and to silence you. And the the way to answer that is to at least what I did, I don't know if it's the smartest thing to do, but just speak the truth. I mean, the, the truth uh, is, is a weapon that we have on our side. Yeah, well, dancing I, always I, helps. I mean, you, you did that little dance with the, the old South African flag. That was so <laughs> that was great. Scott, I have I, I've watched all the different videos because, I mean, they're the same thing from different angles. And the look at your face when they're, they're <laughs> screaming at you and you're just like you're, you're just marching with the biggest grin on your face. It was literally I, I mean, that is proof that we, at our heart of hearts, we know this is a battle for our very civilization and for our people and for our culture, but you almost have to laugh at the Reds because, I, I mean, you know, I was talking about this earlier. When you really look at it, they are the definition of what a spoiled child is like. Because yes. if, you have like, if you have like a four-year-old who doesn't get a cookie, what do they do? They, they pound their feet. They scream a lot. They say the same thing over and over. Cookie, 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 cookie. I want cookie. So replace and, cookie with and fascist, they, fascist, 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 fascist. And they urinate. Yeah, and, and, they, and they urinate. Yeah, which and they, they did. They, and they spit. <laughs> so, I mean, like, literally, we're dealing with very large four-year-olds who have about the same desire to bathe as a four-year-old. Or- <laughs> so, I, I mean, like, to a certain degree, like, I, I must feel bad because – you know, I know there's like Europeans who listen to this. They're dealing with Reds who like actually like fight, and we're dealing with like the B group that was supposed to sit on the bench, but the starters got sick, and and like they've they've thrown in the uh, 
the, the back of the bus to try and come after us. So I almost feel bad. Well, can I say something really quick? I know there's probably a lot of Kenist listening into this, and I something happened that I think would be of great interest to Kenist, uh, especially those Presbyterian Kenists. I one of the girls you can see in the video. There's this girl walking around. She looks like she's trying to be some sort of fashion model in New York or something. But she had these really disgusting-looking bangs and like dark black hair. You could tell she had dyed it, you know, to make it extra dark. And she had on like some kind of brown coat with a fur lined collar and uh you you can see her easily in in the videos if you look she's in pretty much all of them but as soon as they approached and the initial yelling and everything was over with i i began talking and you know I, as a christian i always bring my faith into these discussions immediately and she i i said well i'm a christian and she says oh really i'm a christian too i'm a presbyterian <laughs> And I'm like, a Presbyterian? And she said, yeah, I'm in the PCA. And I'm thinking, whoa, that's one of the more conservative denominations, you know? And uh, and so then I said, well, hey, I'm I'm a Presbyterian too. What's up, girl? You know, she's like, uh, she's like, well, Jesus hates what you're doing. And and I said, well, you have you ever heard of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church? And do you know anything about uh, Cornelius Van Til? And do you know about uh, the word kinism? Because it's a, it's a fair, you know, I, pumped it up made it sound like it's this huge movement in right-wing evangelical circles and uh she she just looked at me with this look of horror on her face like how could you you know she couldn't even talk and uh she just walked off i guess but i, I thought that was really interesting that there uh that someone from the pca would be marching around with that group i don't understand maybe somebody that's more familiar with the the politics of the presbyterian church in america would would be able to comment more on that but i to me it was it was a really one of the more interesting encounters I had. Well, the PCA is a mixed bag. It, it really does run the gamut. You've got some conservative local branches, and you've got some that are just as liberal as the PCUSA, from which they de- de- split, splintered off. So it doesn't surprise me at all that the PCA is filled with um, complete well, moral, she was, moral compromisers. She was, she was, I'm sorry. Go ahead. She was standing right there next to uh, a violent, unwashed heathen who was shouting the most profane yeah. blasphemies in public. And I don't understand how you could ally yourself if even, I mean, no one other than just a purely nominal Christian would be able to ally themselves with an atheist like that. Yeah. When did I, mean, you- I, think, I think we could solve all this problem if you guys just became Orthodox, but <laughs> that's just, that, I'm just, I'm just saying, but <laughs> Orthodox Presbyterians. <laughs> Yeah, there's we'll have to have a baseball game. Yeah. Like, you know, Presbyterians versus Orthodox <laughs> softball. We could do that, or dodgeball. Maybe get some we, of our aggression out. We would be the only one who follow the rules. Oh, oh. <laughs> but uh, see, I, I, we would interpret the rules according to our hermeneutic <laughs> method, and you guys would rely on like church tradition. Well, yeah, but the problem is, Scott, you'd eventually <laughs> break into like 15 different teams uh, throughout the course okay. of the game. <laughs> Okay, okay. I, I don't wanna I don't wanna have to uh deconstruct orthodox theology on the fly. You you guys do have priests with awesome beards, so I will give you that Thank much. You, yeah. I mean, you guys I'm trying to grow a beard, it's barely working, but you guys could wear the funny hats too. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I don't <laughs> Oh my lord. But I mean this entire thing really shows and um you know Matt Matt other Matt you know, uh, Gregory Hood had an article probably uh, two or three months ago 
where he discussed with the Tea Party how even having one or two like-minded individuals um, come to a Tea Party protest could derail it. We saw that with myself and Mr. Terry and other WSU members, how we were able to what we did with CPAC or when, for instance, you know, when we all booed um, Rick Perry, that made Drudge Report. You know, it doesn't take a lot of people because the the current orthodoxy, I hate to use that word, but what it is, for both the quote-unquote right and the left is so fragile. I mean, you really look. Myself, Scott, Patty, and um, the other members who are with us, we literally got Mayday canceled. Like, the left came, and then they, the cops, because of what happened, cleared the streets. And they mm-hmm. sang Solidarity Forever on, on the, the street corner, but they had their, their parade canceled. No one showed up to their birthday party. And it, it was just really amazing to really think that, you know, taking Mr. Hood's article and thinking about it, we were able to do, with so few, 50 to 1, 50 to 1 odds, get our message out there, get at least half the press coverage, and then and then defeat the enemy. Like, that's that's how fragile it is. And one thing, not to sound like I'm getting on my high horse, but it drives me crazy how many people in our movement are unable to take to the streets. Street action, look, everything we do on the internet with writing, I mean, counterparts is a great example. You can have some of the most mentally stimulating articles of talking about history and philosophy in the world – But when it comes to reaching people on the streets who aren't already in our movement, we need foot soldiers. We don't need Klansmen. We don't need neo-Nazis. We need boots on the ground. And our movement is unable, it seems, to to give us that. We're doing it – I mean, you really look. We had one group of college students and our auxiliary from Carolina help us um, do this. But but imagine if every single – College. I mean, obviously, there's only maybe a couple students of our like mind who were willing to go public. But I mean, even just got involved in the local community and protested the Reds whenever they did this. So I mean, it really just kind of disappoints me. There's no reason we couldn't have had as many people as them. But our, our movement seems reliant on keyboard commandos, and I understand for people's jobs if they need to stay secure. But then I also see it. I mean, you look in scripture; it's a moral obligation then to support yeah. those. Who are I mean I mean like we could have been killed if one of those reds would have had a knife, they could have they could have stabbed us. I don't think they have a knife sharp enough to cut through us, man. And <laughs> and by the way, you bring up something that's near and dear to my heart because the fact of the matter is in America, if you stand up for the sorts of principles that we were standing up for, uh, the the amount of pressure that will come down on you is very severe, and we all want to be included. We all in, in the in crowd. We all want to be included in the in crowd. We want to be cool. We want to be liked. And when you stand up for these sorts of things, you will be rejected. Yeah. And that is a very hard thing to ask someone to do. And so transitioning from that point to another point, people, I think – in the far right movement are tempted by cowardice. I'm just going to say this to couch their cowardice in the sorts of intellectual justifications that just drive me up the wall. So they'll say things like, well, if I take that sort of stand, it won't be popular. You know, if we go out there with signs, uh, we will be associated with some fascists or we might be associated with (gasps) Hitler and people, you know, this mysterious subset of these reach, these supposedly reachable, rational people out in the crowd somewhere may be turned off because we offered some sort of assertive rhetoric in favor of our views. Well, damn it all, I'm sick of the cowardice couching 
itself in these sorts of intellectual justifications. And this sort of debate has been going on in the far right circles, in the blogs, uh, in the in the rumbles between alternative right and countercurrents. And I I don't want to exasperate that. I think it's ridiculous that we're even arguing these things. But I am a controversialist. I try to be a lovable contrarian, and the the fact of the matter is they are going to drill us very hard. If if we stand up for the working man, they are going to associate us with Hitler. If we stand up for southern blue-collar workers, they're going to associate us with slavery. If If we stand up for anything, they're going to automatically associate us with the most far-right, most extreme elements. If we always play defense and say no 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 i'm not i I don't stand up with hitler no 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 i'm not for slavery no 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 i I don't like the old south or i don't think we should have white privilege or etc etc you're always going to be on the defense you're always going to be running you're never going to make forward progress Uh, i think that's a serious problem in our movement well you you surely know when it when it comes to that argument, that debate. I'm I'm very much on the front lines as a as a keyboard commando. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but I but, think but, but, said that derisively. But no, well, well, no, but but I mean, let's remember, Matt. Not to cut you off, but let's remember, like you're more like like Agent Q in like James Bond, like behind the scenes, like <laughs> running the international like far right movement. Like there's a difference between someone who's like. I'm going to post on Stormfront that Matthew Hambach is a Jew because he didn't gun down the leftists. And that's Scott Terry. That accent doesn't sound real to me. Like, screw him. And he mashes on the keyboard and signs off, you know, Rocks Commander 1488 Sig Heil and then goes and, like, I don't know, like, watches, like, ebony, like, porn on the on BET. And <laughs> I, 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 I mean, let, let's be fair. There, there, there is, like, a lot of, of those people in our movement that are like, well, I got to critique your sign wasn't very well made and you should have used a ruler. What? You don't have rulers in Poolsville. Like if I were to make a sign, it would look fantastic. They never made a sign in their life or picketed a day in their life. So you, you are a type of keyboard commando that runs like an intellectual network to communicate with the right wing to like allow us to like be successful. They are like Neanderthal, like semi retards. So I just wanted to clarify before you continued the difference between that. Okay, well, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I have been out on the street, uh, as, as, as Christian Gray has, has can confirm. Um, but it's it's been a while. I've been getting some affairs in order. I do. You guys are are making me itch so bad to get back out on the street. But I have been doing some other things for a while, and one of those things is is arguing for the people who are out on the street. And I, I think the bottom line with this debate is. I think all the arguments for both sides, the, hey, we need to, we need to slip, some, slip some white nationalism into the Republican dog food and hope the dog doesn't notice uh, school of thought uh, versus the more uh, uh, strident, uh, finger quote, radical school of thought that I, I suppose I would belong to. Uh, the bottom line is that the first people to hit the streets and demonstrate a working strategy that's pushing back the system is going to win. I, yeah, we, we can have these discussions. We can, uh, but ultimately, I'm I'm deeply skeptical that these that these people arguing for these lukewarm positions are, are ha, have the passion, have the discipline, or have the courage 
uh, to manifest uh, these schemes. A lot of them are very much like, and you've, I'm sure you've seen this, uh, Heimbach, uh, being out there. Uh, and, you know, as soon as you, you're doing real-world activism, you know, I would go out and I'd do a speech on the courthouse. And then I'd come back, and you know, there's just a flood of these emails and messages explaining how I need to how I need to do it differently. And huh. you know, while I always enjoy feedback, there is a certain certain overarching theme of hey, if you if you've got a completely different idea for how this should be done, then go do it. And the thing about these lukewarm people is they just want me to do their lukewarm idea because lukewarm people don't hit the streets. Don't fight communists and don't inspire people. I think it's ironic too when, you know, like an editor for the erotic review tries to tell us how to reach, uh, you know, working class <laughs> Americans. It's like, really? I mean, but hey, I learned something from the great Matthew Heimbach. Oh, Lord. It's, <laughs> I call this the masses back in the house motif. <laughs> but, and, and this, there's a presupposition among these. Uh, whom Mr. Parrott just characterized as the lukewarms, uh, there's this presupposition that if we take these extreme positions, we lose. We lose people, we lose attention, we lose credibility, etc. Well, the masses back into house motif, and I've experienced this because I like to push the envelope, or as we Southerners say, envelope, or whatever. I like to push that thing whenever I'm in front of a a crowd or whenever I'm in a, an apologetic situation. And what happens is, and this happened at the, at the Washington DC protest, they try to fence in the white boy because they know that the white boy doesn't want to be associated with slavery and he's going to squirm. And he knows that the white boy doesn't want to be associated with racism. And he knows you're going to squirm. And what happens when the white boy doesn't squirm though? What happens when the white boy stands up, looks him in the eyes and says, yeah, boy, you I'd get a good three days work out of you, son. You know? Well, well, <laughs> let, Scott, me, well Scott, let me see your teeth. Let me see your teeth. My, 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 well, my favorite part of you, again, I'm I'm sorry, I'm just excited even talking to you, such great gentlemen. But um my, my favorite thing was when when those blacks were looking at you like, we didn't want to come here. Why'd you bring us here? And you just stopped and looked at them like it was the most obvious thing in the world. Like they asked the color of the sky and said, because y'all are good workers. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Which isn't true, of course, but you know, they had to humor oh. them. You know? But but they did but they didn't react like like you would imagine if you believe the conservative ink line, um, like my mother always warns me, um, you know, about like don't don't make the blacks angry or they'll 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 come after you. That I mean, they they just like looked at you and they they didn't attack you. They didn't even like start screaming at you. They oh, were man, just. I was hoping he would. I was hoping he would come over. Uh, I know, but 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 I I can almost guarantee you he has never had a white guy talk to him like that in his entire yeah. life. Absolutely. Ever. And you could and see I it think, in his eyes. You could see it in his eyes. Masses back in the house. <laughs> oh no! And, you know, <laughs> and, Matt, and it shuts him down. What you said, you know, really speaks volumes too about how when you said, you know, my mother gets on me about that. I think a lot of people in this movement, young people, namely, um, a lot of our peers, we we get the same kind of parental pressures. I don't know if we all do, but I know I have. I know you have, Scott. I don't know if you, if you have or not, but I have. I have. Yeah, yeah. and I, I and my parents are so called conservatives, but they're more, you know, and I certainly don't mean to throw them under the bus, but they're, you know, I guess they're what we would call, you know, neocons, but they. It's just I've gotten the same thing my whole life. Well, don't say that because you don't want to, you know, lose your job or you don't want to, you know, have your boss find out what you're doing or find out you don't use my last name. And and it's like, 
you know, I think the reason why we're dealing with what, what we dealt with in D.C. and why they dealt with what they dealt with in Seattle is because that generation didn't do anything. They didn't do anything about it. And we're dealing with that now. We're dealing with the legacy of the, the boomers and all and all the vile trash that they, you know, the, we're dealing with all that now head on. And it's getting worse, as we saw with our police being, you know, having no, virtually no reinforcement. So, I mean... Well, I mean, it, it's Patty as the um, as the uh, you know, generation identity terror refers to it as it's the generation of sixty eight, and that really is our enemy. It it is our parents. It is our grandparents to a certain degree. Not, I mean, obviously, like my nana, like she's not the enemy. So don't go out and like right. burn her house down. But but no, it's this general idea of like this generation. They were comfortable enough. Right. And I mean, you really see that a lot of these, um, I mean, even like the far right authors and whatnot, um, discuss this the idea that the white man will not fight until there's no more beer in the fridge and his, um, <laughs> you, you know, and he, as long as he has his plasma screen TV, he'll let his daughters get sent off to, to mixed race schools and right. get sexually harassed. That, uh, you know, as long as he's able to go and take that vac- one vacation a year, and you know, he has a speedboat. It, it's just all going to be okay. And he'll he'll suck it up and he'll knuckle under and he'll just do it. And I really think where it's almost liberating. Like people, I was reading some of the forums, and they were like, Matt Heimbach better learn how to say, would you like fries with that? And they're like, because he's a racist and he's not going to get a job. Well, um, newsflash, everybody. Every one of my generation is flipping burgers and filling bags with fries because we don't have any careers left. All yeah. of our industrial jobs are gone. And um, I'm not good at math, so I can't be an engineer. One of the last uh, holdouts for for whites. So, um, what exactly am I? What op- what grand opportunities am I missing out on? I'm going to get my college degree in three weeks, and I'm going to still have the same you know income level as someone who's coming out of high school. You know, we're, we're now in this permanent almost poverty underclass. So I feel really feel like our generation has now been liberated to a certain degree. It's only going to get better as things get worse. As we see with Europe, you know, in Greece, we're looking at 60% youth unemployment. As it continues climbing in this country, we're going to have more people coming to us because they don't have anything more to lose. And I think that's that's good for our long-term survival. It's just going to hurt, and I hope it's quicker rather than slower. Right. Well, that the, the whole thing about occupations, um, what, what they're basically saying when they're saying, oh, you'll never be able to get a job is, oh – well, you're going to be locked out of the privilege network, you know? <laughs> it's, and, you know, like like you were saying, uh, a whole lot of people in our generation are getting locked out of the privilege network. As the economy continues to contract and, and these, uh, these immigration problems, all, all these vast generational unsolvable problems continue to grow, uh, more and more people are going to be more and more ordinary white people are going to be pushed out of the privilege network, whether they sing along with the band or not. And you know, for some some people, I know this is this is really alien to a lot of people. Uh, but you know, some of us do things because it's the right thing to do, not because it's the most profitable mm-hmm. thing to do. <laughs> that that's a real disconnect with some people. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, Matt, and it really comes down to the idea of, I mean, where where this system is gone, it really is whoever has the most toys when they die wins. But I mean, as you're saying, there's only so many lifeboats, and the Titanic is going down. And guess what, Patty? Not you specifically. 
on the phone call. But guess what, Patty? Guess what, Dago? Guess guess what? All of you third class passengers in the bottom of the ship, you know, you don't have that million dollars or that uh, diamond necklace to bribe the uh, you know ships um, you know guards with to get on those lifeboats. Guess what? They're pulling out the iron gates to lock us in storage and to let us drown. Yeah. And you know, there 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 is the um the moment where I mean, we've all seen Titanic. Um there's the moment where um they're they're locked below decks and the water is coming and all the workers together they they see the guards are trying to stop them and um they they rip the bench off the wall and together they break the gate down and the guards are I think they shoot one of them and um but they charge forward and some of those people are able to then get on the lifeboats and now I'm talking about two different sets of lifeboats. But, I mean, the really idea is they are they're, – they're locking us in storage. And they the water is rising. The ship has hit the iceberg, and she will sink. The Lusitania is not going to get here in time to save us. There ain't enough lifeboats for all of us. There's not enough gated communities to put us in and not enough private schools and not enough money to send our kids to private schools to keep our daughters and sons safe and properly educated. So you know what? There is the point as the water is finally filling our shoes, going up to our ankles and then our knees. I have faith the blue collar is going to rally around us because who got us in this position in the first place? Lukewarm, quote unquote, conservatives and the left. So that that leaves the only ideology that hasn't been tried by our generation and the previous generation is is a hard right, far right ideology because we're at least going to try and rip the bench off the wall and get us away from drowning and try and give us at least a shot of pulling out some form of survival. And I'm sorry I had to admit that I've seen Titanic multiple times, but <laughs> I just – that's my guilty pleasure, gentlemen. I apologize. Well, I <laughs> – I, I, I want to add that my, my own um, activism is is truly um, pessimism resistant in, in that I, I really think that that God has put me here um, to be the best steward possible for my family, for my folk, and, and also for for nature and the world too. But in the, in those concentric circles where I have these responsibilities, and you know. Even if your ship is sinking, you know, if, if you envision yourself as the captain of the ship, you have to go down with the ship. And there's an honor in that. So as far as like, are we going to win? Is it going to, you know, uh, will, will, the, will the people turn to me for lead? All I can do is try to do the best job I possibly can of warning them about these things, trying to lead them with the resources I have and, you know, uh, just giving everything I have. And it, it's it's really up to God uh, and fate uh, how this all plays out. Matt, if well, you, and can I? I'm sorry. Go ahead. As a, Matt Perry, if you do go down with the ship, can I have all your bitcoins? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be after my Bitcoin wallet. What is it down to? Like eighty dollars now? It's, it's been brutal. Yeah, it's, it's pretty pathetic. Weeks. Sorry. Well, I I just wanted to throw in something here. For, for anyone listening who maybe doesn't want to do the sorts of violent, in-your-face activism that we've been describing today, there are ways that – I mean we, we all have gifts and there's a need for all different sorts of things to advance the position that we're talking about this evening. Uh, for instance, I really think – and this, is, this isn't unique to me. I mean the idea that we need bards uh, – I know that's a funny word, but the, the Irish had their bards who would play the music and write the poems and keep alive the cultural tradition and, and more importantly, the cultural identity of a, 
of a people. So we need poets. We need authors. We need writers. Uh, that's something that you can do. I mean, you can tell, you can articulate your people's identity through song, through poetry, through literature. You can do things like, uh, I mean, give give food to the uh, to the homeless, like the Golden Dawn. I mean, there's there's various ways that you can participate in activism that isn't necessarily in your face that would that would not necessarily cause you to lose your job. It doesn't have to be as overt. I mean, you don't have to, uh, you know, wear clan hoods when you're passing out your, your food. I mean, you don't have to announce what you're doing. You just have to make foster white identity. And this is something, one more thing I'll say, and then I'll end this particular tirade. One of the things I often say is that I, I sincerely believe the white nationalist movement needs balls and you guys know the the punchline here. I'm not talking about you know the the crass and vulgar colloquialism in that phrase. I'm talking about actual actual dances, actual dances where where young lads and young lasses get together dressed in period garb, and they have these sorts of uh, these dances. And I think we could have summer camps to that end. Uh, we could. There's there's just there's a ton of the, the possibilities literally are endless for the sorts of activism we could get in, involved in. Uh, well, well, you know, well, well Scott, the uh, in terms of music, I, I think I'm interrupting everyone today like 15 times. Um, but in terms of music, that really is, and actually, Patty is um, is a musician, <laughs> and we and we should get him recording some good nationalist songs. But seriously, in terms of what the the right has, music is one of the most influential things in in, in human culture, and we all know it that. Is. But mm-hmm. what what does the right have? We have like oi bands from like yeah. 1980s or we could s- or like <laughs> if you're feeling like a little bit you're not feeling that frisky, you could listen to like Saga's covers of Screwdriver. Yeah. But but there, there there aren't any like actual like it doesn't have to even be like a folk song, it could be a it could it could be like just even a metal song. That doesn't involve screaming the words like "kill the Jew, kill the Jew, six million more." Like I'd like a refrain in a song that would maybe be positive, and that's the entire thing. This positive image, because I can tell you as a Christian, I have no animosity against anybody else. I know I'm preaching the choir on that one. I don't want to hurt anybody else. I want to yeah. protect my people from extinction. So why do we have to forever harp on the 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 issues of other peoples? And we should, we should prevent present. A positive message because we know that's a fact. Well, it's had all that. Uh, it's had all that negative. Um, you know, it's been such a negative outlet because the people that have gotten to it so much are pretty much you know our scraps, like the punk rock scene. Not and I grew up on a lot of that stuff as a kid, but you know, you come to a point where the angst fades, and you sort of gotta you know if, if you're gonna try to put out a positive message, uh, the backdrop for that is not. Uh, a punk scene or a skinhead scene, unfortunately. I mean, I think, um, I know Germany, the, the NPD for, for a long time, I don't know if he's still around, but they had a, a folk singer who sounded much like a lot of the sixties leftist folk singers in music, you know, his melodies did, but you know, mm-hmm. his, lyrically and, and his content, um, you know, he was very much I, sort of, you know, post-national socialist almost. I mean, and his name's Frank Renica. And, uh, I mean, really, if you, if you just heard the music and if you weren't a German speaker and you just heard it, you, you might mistake it for, you know, 
a German Bob Dylan or something, although it had a much more, you know, it had a message that was more in line with what we're saying. So, but, you know, Golden Dawn for another, uh, to use another example, they have a marching band. Every time they go out in the street and they have parades, they have a marching band that leads them. And I know a lot, uh, one of their more popular tunes, it's called the Golden Dawn March, as a matter of fact. Um, and it, it actually, it was taken from an old, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, Falange or Falange, the movement in, in Spain in the, in the 30s and 40s under Franco. Um, it's taken from one of those songs, the melody is. And it's the song is absolutely powerful. It, it's on YouTube if you if you want to download it. Yeah. It's called The Golden Dawn March, and it's absolutely breathtaking. And in the, the video that they used it in is just, I mean, there's just hundreds of them in the streets marching, and they have torches and flags, and it's just, the pageantry is just so uplifting, and, and that's what we need, too. So I, I think that would be another, I know that, you know, and you use a kind of weaker example you know, because they kind of have some Marxist tendencies, but uh, some of the IRA, the pro IRA groups that have popped up over the last 20 years um, and some of their support factions in like Liverpool and other parts of England with the Irish communities there, they have fife and drum bands or fife and drum corps. So like yeah. that's, that's another good idea. You know? Well, you know, one of the problems that I have with white nationalist cultural expression, this is a problem that you have in Saga uh, her music, a lot of it. It's it's a problem that I am uniquely aware of because this is a a huge problem in Christian literature as well. I, I hesitate to even use the word literature here, but uh, in Christian fiction and in Christian music as well, this is a terrible problem, and it's a problem in white nationalist circles. And what I'm talking about is this vicious sort of didacticism, where what we're doing is basically writing a sermon out and then putting music to it or writing a sermon and just couching it in fictional letters. This is not literature. We have the great, the greats. Uh, I know more about Southern writers, I suppose, than I do anything else, but all the greats speak out against this. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe despised the didacticism of the Bostonian Puritans. Uh, Flannery O'Connor despised the didacticism of the Puritans. Uh, she i mean she she especially didn't like this idea of sermonizing through your work and what 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 do we have in white nationalist literature i mean look at i i love uh cartagic to death um or uh, how do you pronounce that cartagic cartagic however uh kurtacek you know, yes i mean he's a great guy but his books to me just come across as sermonizing and this is a problem in a lot of white nationalist fiction. I, I'm just choosing him. It's it's excellent stuff. But and and also, what about the camp of the saints? You know, it's the same deal with that. It's the the Turner Diaries. I mean, every it's it's sermonizing. Uh, Harold Covington's novels. It's pure sermonizing. We we have to get away from that in our literature. We have to get away from that in our music. And we have to get back towards something more closer to an organic expression of our true uh, culture. And and I think that's what all the greats – I mean that's what Faulkner would advocate for. That's what O'Connor advocates for. That's what Edgar Allan Poe advocates for. It's what Donald Davidson Tate and all the southern agrarians would advocate for. I mean this is something that – it's a holdover from the influence of Enlightenment modernism on the white nationalist movement. And frankly, we got to get away from it. So – there's a, a lot of culturally distinct music, uh, bluegrass, uh, country music supposed to be doing this, although the Jews have taken over the, the industry and are moving away 
further and further, but these are supposed to be our people's music. And I, I just, certain punk rock elements. I mean, when, when someone asked me what kind of music I listen to, I reply, well, I listen to white people music <laughs> and that that's a genre that covers a great deal, a great range, but it's a unique range. And I, I just think we need to get back to that organic expression and get away from this sermonizing in our culture expression. Well, I mean, look at, um, Buck Von Blurk in South Africa, um, you know, his songs, Afrikaner are hard, uh, De La Rye. I love his music. I love that guy's music. Oh, exactly. I mean, exactly. And, well, and what, what does he do? I mean, he talks about, um, you know, in De La Rye, it's taking a specific moment from his people's history and a hero and crafting a song. And you know what, Scott, I agree with you. I've watched videos of, um, South Africans, white, you know, Afrikaners, um, arms around each other, swaying back and forth, singing their entire hearts and they're weeping. And it, it hits me to the point where we're almost to tears watching oh, yeah. them, watching them sing, um, you know, you know, the line in Afrikaner heart. Um, well, it, you know, it's in Afrikaans, you know, it, it says that if you're going to shoot me, shoot me my Afrikaner heart and watching Afrikaner men take their fists and pound it against their breast. Mm. And you, you just, you feel it. And it wouldn't be, you don't have to be Stonewall Jackson to be able to come up with an effective, um, musical technique the same way that, you know, Bach von Blork is doing, you know, the way that well, there's a lot of Europeans doing it. And I really just wish, unfortunately, the good Lord has, um, he's gifted me, thankfully, with, um, bravery and stupidity, um, to utilize <laughs> said bravery, but, um, he's not gifted me musically. But I mean, even putting things online for free, making, um, you know, cool YouTube videos, it wouldn't take that much money, it wouldn't take that much time. I just yeah. gotta, I gotta interrupt you right here because I don't know if we've covered this yet, but Heimbach is musically gifted. Oh, when shut up. <laughs> we we reached down and we grabbed the Confederate flag that was being trampled on by that filthy, unwashed group of heathens. Mm. I grabbed it. I had the flag. Heimbach pulled me out of the crowd. We hold it up and we start singing. I wish I was in Dixie away. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole, you know, and, and we look over and, and, you know, our buddy Sean's on the ground with the cops all over him and he's over there singing the same song and all, all our groups start singing this song. So I, I mean, that was one of the greatest moments I think of the entire protest on Wednesday, but uh, don't let Heimbach fool you. That guy's got a, that guy's got a <laughs> set of lungs on him when he wants. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and, and that actually was one of the, the moments that really got me. And it really took me, not not to overblow it, but... Sorry, I had to. <laughs> it's okay. We're getting, we're getting ready to sing. Um, but, but that really got me. I mean, to a certain degree, everything is academic. You read about, and I would never compare myself in the same sentence with my Confederate ancestors, but, you know, everything about defending the flag and about defending our heritage to a certain point is all academic. I'm not doubting people's... Um, you know, dedication to the cause. But until you see your flag on the ground and it's been burned and there's blood of patriots who are fighting to defend it on it and yes. you and, and you and your comrades fight to, to, to get it back and you raise it high and start singing the anthem of our people that it, it went for, for me, like the defense of the flag, you know, at, at first, honest, I'll, I'll admit, I, I was kind of going, well, is, is using a flag to confederate battle flag the right thing to do? You know, we might want to, you know, it might incite the crowd. But I mean, a after that moment, it really, it really just got me that like this is yeah. a fight for something that is so much deeper and so much more important. It's not just cloth. 
that that flag represents to me everything that I want to lay down my life for. And then everything my ancestors, they starved for and they lost limbs and they gave their lives on battlefields, starving to death to, to be able to defend. And you know what? Two days ago, myself, Scott Terry, Shane, Patty, you know, all of our other guys, we, we, we were able to experience just for a brief moment what, you know, now it's the 150th anniversary of Chancellorsville. And you can just imagine the, the bullet ridden flags flying above uh, the battlefield as yeah. you watch the Yankees retreating. I mean, that, 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 it was one of those moments I just felt like I had stepped back in time to a degree. The enemy is, 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 is heading for the hills and you're bloodied <laughs> and you're hurt, but, but the flag is high. And you know that you've done the righteous and just things. So, I mean, that's why street activism to a certain point, it's not just about taking it to the enemy. It's about reaffirming to yourself that your ancestors died yes. for yes. this. And you need, if you can't pick up a picket sign and a flag and, and go out and meet the enemy when they're on your doorstep, then, then I mean, then, then, what are you, then what are you doing? What do you really stand for? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that was such a powerful moment for me. And, I mean, I saw, you know, Shane is on the ground. He's bloody. He's cut up. He's had his pants ripped. I'm covered in leftist piss. Scott's, <laughs> Scott's just uh, scuffled with someone and punched a fat leftist. girl in the face. <laughs> I got decked in the jaw, yeah. I, yeah, I, I- I was, Somebody was looking out for me because I was I didn't get I ended up I was in the middle of all of this right smack dab and this well it started out on the far left of the of the line and then I I kind of was up in the center and and miraculously nothing happened to Mickey me or Addie so I don't know somebody was looking out for me somebody thank was God somebody me. was protecting the women that's what I was concerned about. <laughs> yeah Terry. well that was a big concern too for me Scott Terry I was reading your your very inspirational post about this on your blog today at work and when I got to the point the part where you said you had to punch a Jewess I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I laughed out loud and my coworker said, Oh, you have to share now. What is it? And so I said, Oh, no, thank you. So like, tell us oh, about that. Uh, oh, a friend of mine just punched a Jew in the face <laughs> and he really enjoyed it. I was mean, she the I, same girl that started crying at the, at the <laughs> South African flag when Sean was holding, cause we switched flags. We got to a point where we were kind of like passing around different flags. Like, okay, I'm kind of, I don't want to hold the St. George's one. You hold it and I'll take the South Africa one. And, uh, and somebody had, was holding the South or was it when you were holding it, Scott? But one of these girls, like oh my god is that the old stuff oh my god and she just started bawling right there and well, and, well and that's when and that's that's when the um the leftist with a the really queer looking hat and the red shirt goes my check but <laughs> everyone goes my check and then and he goes that flag represents apartheid and then you just hit the yeah. echo that flag represents apartheid and like i swear to god he must have weighed 97 pounds yes. and soaking wet <laughs> and he's raising his little skeletor fist in the air Going death to apartheid. Everyone's going death to apartheid. Death to apartheid. (laughs) Did you guys? Well, you know, did you find out which of those faggots threw piss on you? Um, no, no. never did. Um, they denied it. They're denying it all over the media. They're saying in their own media, they're reposting it, saying, "Oh, that never happened." They lied about that. Tell you what, my shirt still smells like piss. Yeah, <laughs> and laundry day is tomorrow, guys. So if yeah. a reporter wants to come over and double check, I will submit a DNA sample to tell it's not mine. <laughs> well, I, I, I would have changed my shirt. No, because I wasn't going to leave the picket line, Matt Parrot. Some of us are <laughs> dedicated to the cause. You're, you're not still wearing the shirt now, are you? <laughs> no, it's in the laundry bin. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is, I was going to surprise everyone. I had been saying, oh, I'm not going to be able to go. I'm not going to be able to make it. And then I was going to slip into the crowd, into the Marx or to the communist crowd and just march up there with them. 
and then run over to the to the line. And but I decided ah, I'm not going to. And I went over there, and the first thing Heimbach does is he's like, "Oh, Scott Terry, uh, here," and he hands me this Afrikaner flag, you know. And I'm like, "Oh, that's that'll be fine. Nobody will know what that is, no, you know. Nobody." <laughs> and it turns out that that was the one that they focused on, and it was like the most hateful. Uh, yeah. Almost as bad as the the Confederate flag. No, it, just, it was it was they hated the uh, South African flag worse. Than yeah, so I got all that all that love was sent my way because of uh, Heimbach. Well, they also just, mistook the St. George's Cross for being a KKK flag. They specifically yes. asked me that. They were like, "Is that a what is that? Is that an Aryan symbol?" And then this black guy, just <laughs> like you know, this shithead with dreadlocks, just rips it right off the pole. I mean, that was one of the ones that got it pretty bad. But we got that one back, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. and that's actually in my house. It's got boot prints on it from the leftists, but it's got it's got a <laughs> place of honor. I mean, well, you really look like even to to discredit. I mean, this conservative ink argument that you know, like they just that we just don't antagonize them. They were screaming at the Betsy Ross flag. Yeah, and 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 some of the some of the greatest moments of my life really were when um they're they're the leftists are yelling at. I have the tactical Gadsden flag that says Liberty or Death. Don't tread on me. We have the Betsy Ross flag. And then they're doing their mic check and they're going, those flags represent imperialism and fascism. And then, and, and then I, and I, then I, like, I just, like, I, I asked, I was like, wait, so you're saying that the Continental Army were fascists? This guy goes, yeah. And then I go, so, so wait a second. You're telling me that George Washington and Thomas Jefferson were fascists. And like a bunch of them now go, yeah, there were a bunch of fucking fascists. And I was like, but fascism wasn't invented until like twenty, <laughs> and then and then this girl without missing a beat goes. They were proto-fascists. Yeah. <laughs> proto-fascists. Well, they were white. Hey, by the way, I have that Betsy Ross flag in the trunk of my car still. I apologize. I'm, no no uh, problem. I'll bring, get it back bring, to you. Bring it to the next protest. Yeah. You know, one thing I want to point out, and I hope I'm not going over time or anything like that. I just want to let let everybody know because I don't know, Matt or, or Scott, if you got a chance to look at all the comments that people are leaving on articles that were posted, YouTube things that were posted, including the. The ones that they on the left have posted. I have not, and I I make no exaggeration about this. I mean, I, I'm not lying about this. Even today, I checked. I have not found, I found maybe one or two that were not siding with us. Almost everybody, even so-called moderate liberals were saying, you know what? I don't even really believe in what those guys believe in. And those guys came out looking a lot better. And that speaks volumes. So we need to capitalize on nice. that. We need, really so, need so to much, use- So much for the idea that we need to mitigate our views and yeah. temper our rhetoric, huh? Well, no, I think so you're onto something, Scott. Yeah. Well, what uh, you guys should do next time is have one of you go out there with a lukewarm Republican position, and one of you go out there uh, separately, uh, actually, you know, speaking from your heart and speaking the truth and rallying to a flag that means something, and, and you know, see see who does a better job. Well, I mean, I mean, gentlemen, let, let's just understand. We we there, there is no mitigating finding middle ground anymore if if we have any self-respect we can't cower and you know, mr yeah. Perry, we've been talking about my potential uh future activities that i think the um I, I won't release them publicly yet but uh i think our movement will be excited with and um you know i threw a lot of soul searching and talking with you and especially wednesday has just reaffirmed in me that even for political expediency of moderating our positions there, there, there's no honor in that, you know, like yeah. the, the, the Confederate soldiers weren't like marching off to Chancellorsville being like, well, I mean, maybe if we just say we want more states rights and we can go back to the union, they were like, no, <laughs> we're, we're going to fight and die and like get our limbs cut off with hacksaws and it with no anesthetic. 
Because they literally did. I mean, A.P. Hill was wounded after Jackson was wounded, and Jeb Stewart ended up taking command. I mean, that's that's just epic. I mean, that doesn't get any more heroic than that, you know? Yes. One of the things I'd like to comment on, too, at this point as a Southerner, the idea that we as Southerners, we, we don't fight for abstractions. I mean, our people have always been a people of the particular, a people of place and, and locales and uh, local centralities. We're not... We don't go out and fight for abstractions. And the reason that flag means so much to me personally, and I'm sure this is true for you guys as well, but the reason it means so much to me personally is because when I see that flag, and I'm sure this was also true of our ancestors who marched out to fight, but when we see that flag, it represents for us not some abstract ideology, not some floating in the clouds proposition. It, it represents home. It represents yeah. people's faces. Yeah. It represents mom and dad and, and my grandfather. I mean, that's what I see when I see when I see the Confederate battle flag. I see my grandfather and the farm that we have and all of our land and the agrarian lifestyle. And that's what we were out there uh, fighting for. And that's what just infuriated me when I saw that flag hit the ground. Mm. And that, I think, is why we are always going to be more emotionally charged than they are. We're always going to have the superior position because we are fighting for particulars for yes. a place and they are fighting for abstractions and propositions absolutely now I agree. um heimbach we have a question for you from the chat room uh, we have a couple questions here and people in the chat room do feel free to uh speak up this is uh this the show includes you um What's the future of WSU? Uh, does it end in three weeks or does it expand? Uh, what, what are your plans around that? Well, essentially my plan is um, for the WSU, I've got a lot of members organized not only at Towson but in the local community. But kind of our question is if the university isn't going to recognize this, and they'll do – I mean they've even threatened basically bringing out legal action to even if we got the necessary advisor to try and stop us – so the question is, do we keep trying to beat a dead horse? And we've made our point that the university system is so anti-white and it's so biased against even, I mean, even like the, the Republicans can't even come out in favor of like immigration reform, you know, anything short of amnesty, like the Republicans get blasted on or, um, you know, things like that. So I think what we're actually going to do is mold ourselves into something new. We're not disbanding. But I mean, you know, in terms of students, students is almost too limited because I mean, the problem with the student organization is you constantly have evolving leadership. And I, for some ungodly reason, I don't understand, but people apparently like my leadership style um, and like my organizing, which I, you know, all, all glory goes to God on that one. But um, I think the plan is we've got some, some things in the works on where we're going to be moving towards uh, towards larger goals, expanding outside of the Towson University community, Definitely. and uh, hopefully towards some uh, some some happier uh, happier days, more protests, also uh, getting more uh, thoughts out there. One thing I want to do, and also with Patty and other members who are uh, gifted through uh, through writing, I really want to get us out there. Um, you know, in terms of writing and putting our ideas for people to see, because our movement. With the exception of Mr. Parrott and Mr. Gray and uh, a few other gifted individuals like Gregory Hood, we don't have a lot of real advocates for our people. And the one thing we especially don't have, I mean, that's where I think you two other gentlemen come in very crucial, is uh, commenting on current events. So I also want to find a way to get a lot of the WSU involved uh, through social media promoting it, but also uh, writing new content to uh, get out there to a wider audience 
Because, I mean, you can't introduce someone to the pro-white movement by saying, like, all right, so here was this, like, fascist author who, like, wrote this on, like, a bathroom wall in Italy in 1937. And here's his treatise on, like, what the right wing means to him when he was drunk off, like, a gallon of absinthe. <laughs> like, 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 it's like, 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 cool as that is, that it, it's really hard to get, like, your blue-collar workers engaged in um you know in a discussion like that so i think uh we're going to be looking towards changing our uh, our media presence to be able to reach a wider audience increasing our activism even more especially after being liberated out of that hellhole that is Towson. but um we're we're, we're we're not going away and the Towson university community is still gonna know that that we're there and we have students on that campus who are gonna carry on the guerrilla activities uh that we've been doing since i've been there uh, and, uh, the WSC will not be defeated. You know, we're an undefeated army and a, uh, an invisible, trying to find a word that doesn't instantly associate me with other such organizations, uh, an invisible, uh, network of, uh, like-minded individuals. So don't worry, everybody. The WSU is not disbanding. We're simply going to bigger and better things. And that website Amen. now is, yep. it's towsonwsu.blogspot.com. Patty, yep. do you have a blog? Do you write anywhere else? Do you write anywhere else? Do I? Are you talking to me? I'm yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Patty, do you do you uh, do any writing or? Um, I do actually. I do not have a blog set okay. up right now, but actually, I just wrote um a new article that I sent to Matt actually about what was it like a half an hour before I signed on okay. here. So that should be up on the WSU website in yeah, probably another day or so. Yeah. That that'll be going up tonight. So, so uh, that'll be my first uh my well not my first attempt because I, I write plenty in my spare time, but I uh I sh- I should get a blog started up in support of the WSU and in addition yeah. to putting WSU articles on. So yeah, I mean I, I definitely um want to contribute that aspect of my you know I guess you want to say talents I don't know I wouldn't want to like toot my own horn here, but <laughs> well, as a veteran blogger maybe this should go offline. Start out contributing to other blogs if if yeah. That goes well, uh, by all means. You know, well, you know what's funny? Whatever, What's so funny, just... Matt, is like about three years ago, and I, I'm certainly not going to say – I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. And it's it's always people that I, I still admire and that I love and I would I look forward to meeting. But um, I contacted several sources in the past about three years ago when some of these sites started popping up. And um, some of the newer ones, at least. And I'd either get like, oh, not interested now or, yeah, okay, that's nice. Um, mm -hmm." And then you'd never get a response. And, you know, while I understand like a lot of those guys are busy, I mean, it's still sort of, I mean, a lot of these, especially at that time, a lot of those sites and people were still new. So I thought that they they would be more open to accepting, you know, uh, contributions from, you know, people who were also trying to get a a voice out there in the movement. And, um so I guess I went through a period where it was like a year or two where I just was kind of disillusioned and was like, ah, fuck it, then I'm not going to write anything. And now that I met Matt and Scott and I've met all these wonderful people in the union and in, in the uh, the White Student Union and and through you know various other uh, organizations that have um, inspired me and just like they're like, I mean, you guys are like heroes to me. Seriously, even though you're my friends, you guys are. I love you guys so much, and I I really appreciate it, all of you. You know. Well, if you so. need a, a good word at either tribaltheocrat.com or okay. uh, with the AM White Student Union. Uh, both of those guys owe me money. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm sure I can work something out with that. Well, you know, Mr. Gray, I, I would like to say I apologize. Um, I've been neglecting my duties. I haven't written a single article for you since uh, I decided I was going to write for Tribal Theocrat. But um, when, once I graduate, I'll have a little bit more free time to get my wonderful thoughts on uh, paper. So uh, hopefully you'll forgive me for my uh, – Oh, no problem. 
not uh, uh yeah not, not, I, not turn out as much content as i had hoped for yeah, that's okay as i told you earlier today or yesterday you actually create the stories that we write about so <laughs> keep on doing the good <laughs> just work. keep doing that yeah and scott terry did i hear you racking the slide on your gun again Oh, I'm sorry. That 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 was me. Oh, that was you. Okay. I um I wasn't trying to be like over dramatic, but um I saw a couple of um my neighbors walking past my window, <laughs> and um I I just it, it just makes a dramatic scene that makes it less likely that they try to burglarize my yeah. apartment later tonight. So I love the I, I I may have said this again before on air, but I love the picture of you on Facebook, Matt, where you're open carrying before a Martin Luther King statue. <laughs> Holding, holding we the like a uh, battle, battle flag. flag. Don't forget. Yeah, the holding the battle flag. That was awesome picture. I love the battle flag pick in front of uh, the the Ford's Theater where Lincoln was shot. We're just standing there. <laughs> you guys are standing there, big smiles on your face. You know, that was, I haven't well, seen. I mean, that. I, well, I mean, shot. gentlemen, th- this is one big thing where um, everyone, um, well, at least my my two guys, Mr. Terry and Mr. Patty. We uh we need to go to the League of the South conference this coming June, end of June, because um being yeah, being in Wetumpka, Alabama, we'll be right near the SPLC. I would love actually, Scott, I will miss a couple speeches to get to go and tour the SPLC with you. <laughs> um and you too, Patty. I mean, I would really Absolutely. love to get to go and tour the SPLC building. Because I don't know, for the listeners who have not seen it, it looks like the Death Star. <laughs> like it, it literally I've seen like photos of it. No, it's it's like like the American Green Zone in like Baghdad. They're prepared for like us to like storm it. I really also just want to like go to Mark Potok's office and like sit down and just have a frank conversation and go. Do you really believe this? <laughs> like, do do you like? Because I mean, I know he makes like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, so I can understand being a greedy capitalist. He could sell him like just sell his people out, but I really want to know if they actually believe it because I love reading the leftists who have turned on Morris D's who go like, he's just a scam artist and he's like a piece of crap. I mean, this is like far leftists who are ideologically based who go like, yeah. it's just about money. So I want to know Mr. Potok and uh, Scott, you're uh, your future wife, uh, Miss Byrick. Uh, I was going to say, I was going to say, you know, I know a couple of gentlemen who have suggested that they might like to lick some Worcestershire off off of her uh, fat rolls, but I, I wasn't going to say that. That is one uh, hefty woman right there, Heidi Byer. <laughs> hey, she, there's just more of her to love, Scott. More of her to love. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That sounds. That actually sounds like an absolute blast, and I didn't know you were going all the way down there, Heinbach. If you can go from Maryland, then I guess I can go from Carolina, but... Uh, you know, it did, I got I got some cross burnings to go to around that time. I don't know if I'll make it. We'll, uh, you know, <laughs> you got fit that in your schedule. Well, you know, uh, Mr. Shane Long, our, our heroic uh, vice chairman of the Maryland League of the South, is I'm probably going to be driving in his hate truck uh, that was featured <laughs> in the Daily Beast article. Um, so I'm sure that uh, that Patty would, if he can make it um, through his busy schedule, we can come down to Carolina, pick you up, and we can just have. Uh, the white student union on wheels. It's uh... yeah. Maybe we can get like a Rockwell style hate bus. <laughs> no, what happened to the hate bus? Maybe we can borrow that. You know, we can like try to get that. Thing. I think. I think actually. Hold on. Let me refer to my copy of Hate. Um, <laughs> right somewhere that I like. I literally. I'll. I'll. I'll do now. Um, you know. I. I think we ought to auction off tickets to uh, have. You know, to participate in this road trip with us. I mean, this is going to be so. If that actually happens, it would be like the most epic road oh, trip. Oh, it's going to happen. Oh, it's, it's going to happen. But uh, ladies, just to let you. know, know that um i'm not married patty is uh is taken by a beautiful uh 
strong and fantastic woman who faced down the, one the Betsy Ross flag and she held the South Africa flag before Scott got there. So yeah, like, yes, well, like, like, like she is a, like ladies watch out. She will beat your face in but, uh, <laughs> me, me and Mr. Terry are, uh, are singles. Just put that out there. That if you, uh, I actually, I'm not single. Um, oh, a relationship with a very wonderful blonde headed, blue eyed white nationalist girl that has a Judar that's, better than anybody's <laughs> I've ever known. Second to none. <laughs> Second to none. So, I, you know, I, well, um, but I don't like to broadcast my personal life that much. I don't think it's wise for us to do that as advocates uh, of our particular ideological persuasions. Yeah. That is true. Now, now there's like some, some person like the ADL basement who's like Matthew Heimbach has released that like he is not <laughs> currently seen a woman, which means he must be involved with like either a sheep or a corpse or like – like I'm, I'm just looking forward to the next article about like like Matthew Heimbach like like has intercourse with like space aliens or something. Portly like ebony princess and you know the hood. <laughs> I, I've got to admit though the, the interns at SPLC are are really disappointing yeah. um, uh, with with their research. Like and th- this is perhaps my vanity, but I, I think I've been pretty active over the last five years and not a word about me at their website. Yeah. Uh, except Lighthouse Literature being an active hate group in right. Indiana. Uh, you know, I'm not even in Indiana. We officially uh, closed down Lighthouse Literature um, well over a year ago. But, oh, you, know, you, were, they, they, you were a part of that, Matt? I loved Lighthouse Literature. I thought you guys were great. I had them added on Facebook for a while. I didn't know you were oh. you were part of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, – I, I was a, a stakeholder in that project. And, oh, that's awesome. Uh, they, it, it all folded up amicably as a um, people's lifestyle situations changed, but we're yeah, we're well, still active. Well, you know, Matt, the uh, the big pro, the, it's really funny. Um, all my old YWC comrades, they um they make the point that the SPLC for some reason really has like a, a deep seated love of me, and it's really funny. All the left always goes like, because I'll mention this, and they'll be like. Matthew Heimbach's vanity like comes out when it's obvious that he talks about how much we follow him like don't flatter yourself now here's a new article about him like bing turn this out that all like uh, my comrades they can't have a story about them without like they'll take up the first paragraph and then the next two will be about me and then somehow like Kevin Deanna who hasn't like done anything like in years will get like the last paragraph so you just need to hang out with me more and the SPLC will like have like a dedicated author just to you I'm jealous too, Matt Parrot. I have not. The, Tribal Theatre hasn't made their find hate map map yet, but I understand, and I want to give a shout out before I forget that FaithAndHeritage.com has recently made their find hate map under uh, white nationalists in Texas. So congratulations! You know, you know how they have their interactive map. What's uh, that, Christian? You know how they have their interactive map at the website? Yeah. If you scroll that and you keep scrolling it over to the right. Uh, until you're in the Middle East, you'll see your flag in Tel Aviv because they know where you actually live. <laughs> awesome! Wow. I like it. I can't. I'm not. I'm not witty enough to come back. <laughs> but hey, all joking aside, can we call the SPLC and demand that we get on their list? I mean, I, I really <laughs> want to do that. I, I want to record that phone call, like you know. Uh, and and I'll use a black voice when I do it, you know, like ring ring hello, uh, yeah, uh, I, 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 I for reals, uh, I, I, I won't be on y'all list though, up there at the top, uh, you know, up there with all them other honkies up there, yeah. Uh, 
No, I mean, I think that'd be that'd be awesome. Hey, maybe we could do a chant like, "Hey, hey, hiss, hiss, get the WSU on your list." Or something. <laughs> yeah. something hey, 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 the WSU is on the list. Thank you very much. I the hate quotient. That's right. You're on like, the hate map. Yeah, I am. A, I am on the hate map. That's actually um, was one of the happiest moments of my life. Like it, it, it really was because that just tells you that literally, like the forces of Satan, who have like slithered into Alabama have poked their heads up enough to notice your activism. I mean, it really is. And I mean, you know, and not to sound vain, um, but I mean, it really like when the enemy acknowledges your good work, um, I just appreciate that. I just, I, 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 I don't know. I like the one people's project too. That's why I love Daryl Lamont Jenkins. He's like, he's like my hero. I love Daryl Lamont Jenkins. You can quote me on that one with his, mm-hmm. um, well, cause he, you know, he, the story of the one people's project was, uh, like WSU like faces off against like Antifa and loses. And uh hey gentlemen, did we did we lose the other day? I think we were the ones who left the uh the day shouting whose streets are streets. Yeah. So um feeling their ever so uh eloquent, you know, line that they've used for the last what, like thirty five years. You know, we actually are we're taking that from them. They're gonna take our flags, we're gonna take their lame slogans, we're gonna make them cool. <laughs> <laughs> And, and we stopped. We stopped them dead cold. I mean, right there, they were going to keep going. They had a whole song yeah. planned. They had a whole uh, like a speech they had speeches plan. planned. Yeah, we we totally we stopped ruined it. that. We we stopped it dead, and so we won. We, I mean, ideologically, we fought the prince of the power of the air. We fought the principalities. We kicked the devil in the nuts. Heimbach got on the SPLC's website. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to get up there. Uh, Christian Gray hasn't been able to get up there. We got to pick up our game, Christian yeah. Gray. I agree. We need to. Well, we're going to wrap up unless you guys have anything else you'd like to add. No, I mean, I, I would just like to thank all the listeners. Um, Absolutely. You know, for, for just um, listening to my ramblings and Scott Terry's drunken ramblings. Um, but I, I mean, like, I mean, seriously, on, on a serious <laughs> note, I, I just really appreciate that to really spend the time to invest in listening to us and, you know, reading our work and saying financial contributions and just everything that without you, um, you know, we, we couldn't do this. So I really just want to thank the listeners and thank all of you, my, uh, my comrades that, um, thank you. You know, our, our movement is not taking a single step back and we're going towards eternal victory. Uh, and that is one thing that separates us from the left. That our victory is assured, um, not to piss off any non-Christian listeners, but it's tribal theocrats, they're probably all Christian. But, uh, you know, the return of Christ guarantees our victory over the enemy. You know, th- th- this is simply, we're battling skirmishes, but our victory is assured. And our enemies, you know, it says in scripture, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. And they will one day get on their knees and acknowledge that they were wrong and admit the truth. So, I mean, we just need to stay emboldened that victory is coming and every day and every, you know, seeming defeat we have or threat we get or whatever it is or bag of urine thrown on you, um, <laughs> you're, you're, we're just moving one one step closer to eternal victory. So I just wanted to thank everyone. And I'm looking forward to our uh, next activity because, um, you know, every day should be an activist activity. That's sure. my new motto. So when just, is your next activity? Well, actually, I was um, out in activity before I got here. I was out with a couple of League of the South members uh, distributing uh, free magnolias and flagging the overpasses during rush hour. Um, so we uh, actually, my, I already did my my most recent activity, but um, probably, and I'm working this weekend. But me and Patty and the executive board are going to be meeting next week 
to come up with what our next activity is, but we're um, we're going to stay active, and we got a couple of plans to try and pull off before the semester ends. Then once the summer hits, we can go into full blitz. So everybody stay tuned because, um, you know, the White Student Union is a, a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Great stuff. Any, any last words, Scott Terry? Well, I was just going to say on that same note really quickly, it's so easy for us right now to garner national attention just from the smallest little things. Yeah. And I think uh, we should take advantage of that. That's actually given us a very big power that we have right now, and we need to utilize it. All that it requires is bravery and a little bit of uh, gravitas, you know, and, and mm-hmm. we can make some big waves. So I think that's something that we have extremely in our favor. And I just wanted to second Heimbach. Uh, we are doing this in the name of Christ. We're advancing his kingdom. And as long as that's happening, we're going to win. We can't lose. Amen. Yeah, in fact, the uh, the the article that's going to be appearing on the WSU website, I urge everybody to look at that because that right there is going to um, really, really focus in on the uh, the gap uh, incident that they, you know, they took part in before they caught up with us. And um, I think that we need more, um, like Scott said, we, we definitely need to sort of capitalize on a lot of their stupidity. I mean, these guys w- went out of their way to make us look like the aggressors and they shot themselves in the foot and made them, you know, they made themselves look, you know, horrible essentially because everybody that's commenting is in support of us, even people that aren't even on our side of the fence. So I think that speaks volumes and I think we really need to utilize that as something positive for our movement. Yeah. And, and everyone, I mean, we, um, if you can do it, boots on the ground. That that's what we need. We yeah. just we just need more boots on the ground because come every, out there with us. Yeah, for every one of us that steps out there, we embolden God knows how many people. The message gets out there. So we um we we just need some more vo- some brave volunteers. So we uh we call on you and the cause calls on you and if you uh you can't uh go out there because of family or your work, then please support us as best you can and um we won't surrender. So Thank everybody, and thank you, Mr. Gray, for giving this uh, opportunity for us to talk. Sure thing. My pleasure. And again, that blog is TowsonWSU.blogspot.com. I'll put the link on the post, and I'll link to Scott Terry's blog, too. Next Saturday, not tomorrow, but next Saturday, we're having Kevin Allawine on to talk about the Civil War, the so-called Civil War, and why the South must rise again. Thanks for the chat room participants, Hadding and Thomas and Tristan and Misty. And that'll do it. We'll see you next time for more at tribaltheocrat.com. Mm-hmm.